0: Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. As I've mentioned before, I've been meditating and pondering the Gospel of Matthew and Jesus' discipleship and leadership and kingdom uh, now for a number of years. The Lord stopped me uh, for months and months on Matthew 23. Uh, and so I ended up giving a devotional about this to a small group of pastors that were visiting, you know, pastoring, our, passing by our church. and. Uh, it just it came out wonderfully, and so I thought, hey, this is worthy of a podcast. So I realize many of you are walking, you're driving, you're doing exercise, uh, but this is going to be a bit of a different podcast because it's meant to be uh, devotional. So just enjoy, step back. I'm going to read you some of the scriptures from Matthew 23 uh, as I make some you know points that I believe God's saying to us today. Now. Jesus' sermon, it's a sermon in Matthew 23 that's so intense, so bitter, that some interpreters actually believed that it maybe wasn't even Jesus. It wasn't authentically Jesus' words because it's so intense, it's so bitter towards the, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and it is. But it's really meant to be a profound warning uh, to all of us, especially in leadership. It's surgery. Uh, it's an in-depth very nuanced look at Demonic temptations that we all face as leaders. So, you know, a a friend said to me recently, "You know what? Pete, emotionally healthy discipleship is. It's a street fighting spirituality. It's just, it's just street." Well, this is very much a street fighter Jesus here in Matthew twenty three as he lays it out. And what I, I think has helped me see some of the power of this text has been my own engagement. Uh, recently, in with not just millennials but Generation Z, and diving into the church of the generation behind me, I'm a Boomer. There's Generation X, those are between thirty nine and fifty four years old, and they got millennials, those between twenty three and thirty eight, and they got Generation Z, age twenty two and below. And while each generation has differences, what's so fascinating to me is that the demonic temptations that come to all of us are basically the same. It, just, it comes at us in different ways in different generations. But I was really expecting that uh, the millennials, for example, those of you who are millennials, which is probably the primary bulk of our audience here, that you were gonna see all of our mistakes and how we you know, ran after things in such a foolish way. Uh, in my generation of leadership, you'd say, we're gonna do it differently. And, and what's been a surprise to me is, yes, you're doing it differently in many ways, And but actually when you get underneath it, it's not that different. Uh, it's the same issues of temptation, sin, uh, and brokenness that confront you, uh, and the same hard work of discipleship and leadership and following Jesus that we have to do in my gen. We had to do and have to do in my generation as boomers. So, uh, with that, let's dive in. I'm going I'm to give you five basic, I think, words from Jesus for us as we function as leaders and seek to be faithful to Jesus over the long haul, so we can hear well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, Jesus begins the sermon by saying to the uh, disciples, basically, he says, you must be, in terms of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, he says, you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. So the first thing Jesus says is, be careful to us as leaders, be careful to practice what you preach. Be careful to practice what you preach. It's not easy to preach scripture. Who can live Everything in scripture, especially when you're preaching consistently or regularly. And so it's so easy to preach great message, get better at the craft, uh, and not be shaped or formed by the actual words themselves. And uh, it's it's easy to, especially in the age of social media, to spend a lot of time, as one person said to me recently, one pastor said, millennial pastor said, I spent hours on a sentence, on wording it uh, to sound profound. It's an incredible temptation, especially with social media. When I was younger, in my you know 20s and 30s, uh, there wasn't the opportunity to you know, for a message to go out the way it is today. We live in a whole different world. I mean, you can have a global platform uh, with just a little bit of tech savvy uh, and a little self-promotion, a little focus on your appearance. Actually, the temptation, I'm convinced, is much greater today uh, because we just didn't have access uh, in my early days to the opportunities to be out there and and uh, you know build a platform, and I actually noticed that there's this a temptation now with social media as well. We we can be so busy, um, you know, preaching scripture, teaching scripture, you know, bringing it out to the world that we don't actually have enough time to be it, uh, to to be with the uncomfortable feelings, which I know I have at times that I'm crossing a line, and I don't take the time to be reflective. I just cross it. And uh, it's just always easy. Everyone has an integrity gap. Now, by that I mean the gap between our role, whether it's our title, our position, and our soul, who we really are on the inside, role and soul. The question really is how big is that gap between who you present yourself to be on the outside, the role you're in, and your soul, who you really are on the inside? How big is that gap? And is that gap growing larger and wider, or is it actually diminishing? That's the question. The question is trajectory. Uh, now, I, I trust that you're not pretending. You're not buying Twitter followers and Instagram followers. You're not manipulating your platform intentionally. Uh, but let's remember, the larger your influence, the greater accountability there is. Um, listen, as it says in 1 Timothy one 3, chapter 1, if anyone desires the work of an overseer or a leader... He desires a, a wonderful thing, a good thing, a noble thing. It's all good. But if you're going to take that role, you've got to be willing to live under the requirements. And Paul lays out some there in 1 Timothy 3. But there is a, a principle, a larger the larger influence, the greater the accountability. And so it is a great privilege to serve Jesus and speak for him. As I'm aware of it even doing this podcast now. But the first principle Jesus says is be careful, he says to all of us, to, be, to practice what you preach because it's easy if I'm, if I'm moving too fast in life, I'm not slowing down to be with Jesus, slowing down for reflection so I can hear those, those little nudges from the Spirit of God saying, everyone else may be going down this road, but it's not good for your soul. Uh, you end up, before you know it, over time in trouble. But the second thing Jesus says is, you know, is, he says about the Pharisees, he goes, everything they do is for people to see, literally to make theater is what it means in Greek. Everything they do is like to make theater. Think of actors or actresses and on, a, on a stage, just and they overemphasize their gestures and their movements, and that's part of great acting, isn't it? And and uh, Jesus says, you know, they make their phylacteries wide, their tassels long, you know? And, you know, I just, I, I keep having I have this saying, you know, it's like I have skinny jeans and leather jackets, you know, I have the right clothes. And and, uh, and Jesus says, number two, he goes, don't just be careful to practice what you preach. Slow down. He goes, be careful of showiness. Just be careful of showiness. And and uh, Jesus speaks about the Pharisees. They love the place of honor. The first, Actually, the word in Greek there, they love first place uh, of honor at banquets. They love the first seat of honor at synagogue. And the word first there is in the Greek. They love the first, to be first. And uh, there are very few professions that get the amount of affirmation that we do as pastors and leaders. I mean, every week, even if I preach a crummy sermon, there's going to be a bunch of people who are going to say, that was the best sermon, Pastor. Oh, you changed my life. That was a wonderful thank you. It can become a drug. And a drug that I just, I need, I just need the affirmation, right? You know it's like you get 20 affirmations, you get one criticism, and that criticism stays with you. Now, you're probably saying, no, Pat, no, Pete, you don't understand. I get a lot of critique. Listen, you do. We all get critique because we're public people. However, we get affirmation and praise on a scale uh, that I, I can't think of any other profession that gets it on Earth like we do, because we speak for God. It's 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 such a powerful power and principality that this this people seeing us or people affirming us that it's a god or an idol that can just pull at us over time and and take us down. Uh, you know, think of the prophets of Baal and Asherah during the times of Elijah, the prophet in First Kings seventeen, uh, and I, I imagine you know, 850 false prophets. And Elijah's almost standing alone, but he sees it. He sees it as a power and principality. And if I, if I can picture it like this, and I'm on social media, okay, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. I, I believe in these technological tools as opportunities for us to mentor, disciple, preach the gospel. But like anything that has power. It's a power and principality that can also destroy us. And that that desire to be great, it, it's a it's a to be number one. Uh And when that dire, desire to be number one gets religion or Jesus into it, it's incredibly poisonous. It's a power and principality's taken over. And before you know, it, we're just in a bad place. Uh, it's a double false self. Robert Mulholland was an author and, and uh, former former professor at Asbury Theological Seminary, and he wrote a. A couple of books called "The Deeper Journey" and others, and he talks about uh, the religious false self. Not just we have, we have false selves that maybe we took on as you know it's just natural, right? When you're you do not know who you are, you're growing up, you're a child, an adolescent, you know, teenager, young adult, you know, and and we uh, try to impress people. We have these different kind of personas, uh, but Jesus comes to set us free, right? To break that off of us to get our identity in Him, being loved, uh, affirmed by Him. But the problem is if we're not absorbing the gospel and doing our kind of work of discipleship, of dying on that cross, we end up getting a double false self. We get a religious self now on top of our false selves. You have the false self given by your family of origin and the culture. Now you've got a religious false self. And uh, you start, you know, speaking for God and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you, and, and Jesus goes after ostentatious leadership here in Matthew 23. He goes, be careful of showiness. Uh, it does not impress Jesus. In fact, it, it 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 horrifies him, and uh, that's why when you're preaching, and you're teaching, or you're exercising leadership, and if you're if you're and over time you get really good at what you do, uh, you've got to be sensitive to when the spirit of God is telling you to pull back, and not take the crowd somewhere that you're going to get a lot of applause, and it is a temptation. I I have been there. I I I know it, and uh i'm very sensitive to it now and you want to be very careful i'm imagining many of you listening to my voice you are the leaders uh for this generation and the next generation and god is entrusting you with a certain level of power but you want to be careful of how you use that power uh again the desire uh for to to, to grow your ministry to reach people for christ it's all good uh but jesus remember was the opposite of showy He was the opposite of spectacular. He refused to participate in in spectacularness. And uh, the Pharisees came and said, show us a sign from heaven. He refused to do it. Uh, In fact, Peter had that poison of wanting to be showy. And when Jesus starts telling him, you're going to lose everything, Peter. You're showy. I'm going to the cross and dying. And, uh, you know, Peter says, never, Lord. Uh, but as uh, over and over, Jesus says that whether it's he, in healings or to his disciples, don't tell anyone about this. I mean, he's just, he's hidden and he just, he is not doing anything for show. Uh, in fact, if anything, he's doing the opposite. He's seeking to be hidden in the bosom of the Father. So it's not just be careful of practice what you preach. Oh, God, help us. It's not just, Lord, be, help me be careful of showiness, which is another powerful temptation of the evil one. The third is be careful of entitlement, to never let yourself be. Set apart above others, uh, and which happens very easy. Especially, I know for me, when I get exhausted and tired, and I don't do good self care. I can be, I can be a little baby demanding, and and so Jesus, Jesus has this incredible passage in Matthew twenty three, beginning at verse eight. He says this. He goes, be, but do not be called rabbi, uh, or basically mean, you know, great doctor or great teacher. If you have only one teacher and you're all brothers, and don't let anyone on earth call you father if you have only one father in heaven, nor are you going to be called instructor, is another word for teacher or leader, if you have only one instructor, the Messiah. And he makes the point, um, you know, think of Oriental courtesy uh, in places like Japan or, or Korea. The length and care of the greeting has to do with the honor and status of the one being greeted. And in ancient Israel, the lead pastors and preachers were considered the most valuable leaders in the community in ancient Israel. Well, for our people, our people who live their lives in following Jesus, and we, we find ourselves in positions of leadership, you know, we're the, we're the center of their lives. And Jesus says, always remember this, you are not to be called, you know, great one ever. You are, in fact, it says it actually in the original Greek, you are not ever, ever to be called great one or great teacher because there's only one teacher and that's me. Uh, Jesus. And in fact, you may be a, have a doctorate, a theological doctorate, and it is a great honor and calling to teach God's word at church. But Jesus says that honor is reserved for one teacher, and you're all brothers. And uh, all Christians are of the same rank. Uh, the teaching honor belongs exclusively to Jesus. And we don't ever want to let ourselves get set apart or be above others. We're servants at the table. We're all brothers and sisters. What a leveler. Then he says, Don't let anyone call you father, for we have only one father in heaven. Now, there are church fathers and spiritual directors and all that, but the father title actually is reserved for Jesus alone. Now, in the history of the church, there's eight doctors in the church and uh, eight you know, doctors, teaching doctors in the church through history. There's four great doctors in the East, they call the Eastern Fathers, and there's four great doctors in the West, the Western Fathers, Latin speaking. And the writers in, in Greek of the East were John Chrysostom, Basil the Great, Gregory of Nazianus, Athanasius. In the West, there was Augustine, Ambrose, Jerome, and Gregory the Great. Now, I mention them because these are folks of exceptional gifts and qualities called the doctors of the church. And uh, so so if you ever think you're somebody, uh, or any of us, you know, in our generation, we got to get ourselves a bit grounded in history. Uh, these folks I just mentioned have enormous contributions uh, to the history of the church out of their teaching. But even here, Jesus says, just remember... Uh, You have only one father uh, in heaven, one teacher, and that is me. And I just love it. You know, some translations have you have only one leader, and that is me. Now, we need leaders in the church, of course. Uh, How can any church function without a leader? But in this text, Jesus, you know, basically combats hierarchical thinking. And he says, be careful of entitlement. It doesn't belong to my kingdom. Uh, In fact, he closes by saying the greatest person among you will be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I mean, Jesus washed feet. And thus we're servants. What am I? I'm a servant. You're a head servant. Uh, not, not a doormat, but a servant. Uh, hopefully you have a self that you can actually lay down. The unimpressiveness of Jesus was impressive. I mean, he, he was so unimpressive. That's what's so impressive. He's the, you know, the God-man. He... Uh, but Jesus is constantly reminding us there's a great honors banquet ahead. And all that matters is at that moment, we get praise from the Father. Well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, but we, we, that he, he calls us here to make free, active decisions to serve, again, out of a full cup of being with Jesus. And this passage, if anything, is a call to slow down and be with Jesus, out of which we lead. Fourthly, he says, be careful of being one thing on the outside and another thing on the inside and he says in and Matthew 23 verse 27 he goes woe to you teachers of the law you hypocrites you are like whitewashed tombs you look beautiful on the outside but inside uh, are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean in the same way you appear to people as righteous but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy you know and, and wickedness and and so he says just again it's back to that first be careful you practice what you preach He's saying be careful of being one thing on the outside And another on the inside That your role and your soul are the same There's not a big gap between them I mean that is a challenge isn't it uh, That we are just We're congruent In our lives uh, In hiddenness and in public I, I said, We don't speak differently Jerry's so sensitive when Preachers and leaders sound differently In the pulpit than how you than how they sound When you're talking to them in other words, you're not putting on a God voice. You're not play-acting now, this new persona. You're just yourself up there in uh, vulnerability and brokenness. But the word of God and leadership is coming through the prism of your personality, through the prism of your person, your history, your temperament, your you. And we're not getting a different you in public than we get with you if we were having dinner together or breakfast. And then finally, Jesus says... Uh, don't just, I mean, will repeat. He goes, not just be careful to practice what you preach. Don't just be careful of showiness. And Jesus, says, don't just don't just be careful of entitlement. And just don't be careful of being one thing on the outside, another on the inside. He goes, be careful. Finally, says to listen to the prophetic, now. And he speaks to them. He goes, Woe to you, Pharisees, teachers of the law, because you build tombs for the prophets, and you say, oh, If we had only lived when they lived, we would have listened to them. And Jesus basically says. You, you're not listening to the prophets. You you honor them in, in scripture like Jeremiah and Isaiah, but you don't listen to the prophets now. And uh, it's so interesting is that we can honor the prophets but not listen to prophets. And so what does that look like today? You know, Who are the prophets today? I, I'm not fully sure. I, I think of so often Eugene Peters would write about, talk about how so often in the American church, at least we'd become an antichrist church. Um, And uh, I think was something prophetic in that. I. I think Martin Luther King had a prophetic I, I think the church coming out of Africa and places like Africa and China, which you know the, the the center of gravity of the church has moved uh through church history. It was in Jerusalem, then it was in antioch and then it was in Constantinople it was in Rome uh it was in north it was in Great Britain it was in north America it, it is it is clearly moving or has moved uh Places like Africa, there's supposedly going to be 600 million Christians by the year 2025 in Africa. 600 million. Uh, and China as well. These two places are exploding. And the center seems to have moved. I was with a, a, uh, a church history scholar uh, who taught at Yale. He just died recently. Named Laman Sane, And uh, it, was, it was a conference on early African Christianity. It was fascinating. But I asked him about his view of the American church and, uh, 76 years old, brilliant man, originally from Gambia. And, uh, he just, I'm, I'm going to put it on Facebook. It's i am on Facebook, on our YouTube channel at, at, at emotionally, at emotionally healthy discipleship. Uh, but he talked about the Americanization of Christianity. I'm sorry, the, the Americanization of Christianity was happening, uh, in the United States or has happened historically in the United States and how deadly it is. And they started giving example of that through church history, both in Africa and Europe. And, uh, and how the whole basically prophetic edge is lost. So the question is, what is the prophetic spirit of God saying to you, to your ministry, which you're leading or your marketplace? What is He saying? What's He inviting you to do? Um, what does it look like to see through the idols of the culture that are in the place where you're pastoring? And for me, how do I hear that? And uh, I so I mean, it's a question of what all we always want to be looking for the Pharisees, and Sadducees had Jesus right in front of them. Uh, Jesus, prophet, priest, king, they couldn't hear a thing. Uh, So let me close with this. Listen, these five be-carefuls that come out of Matthew 23, uh, I'm receiving them for myself. So let me give you a couple of things to close with. One is, please be kind to yourself in the process. Uh, These are are strong words— These are prophetic words coming from Jesus to all of us in our generation, in every generation. Uh, Jesus is gentle. You know, it says of him, "A bruised reed he will not break; a smoldering wick he will not snuff out." And a bruised, a reed that was bruised was good for nothing. Uh, A reed that wasn't bruised you could use for instruments, uh, but a bruised one you just throw out. Jesus says, "A bruised reed he will not break; a smoldering wick." A candle that wicks almost out, he will not snuff out. Jesus is a savior of failures like me, like you. Reeds are symbols of weakness. Uh, smoldering wicks, you get rid of them. Jesus cherishes, especially cherishes broken people. He treats people with special respect, little people on the margins like us. Uh, to lead for Jesus is is impossible. It's impossible. But with him, all things are possible. Uh Again, Jesus didn't stay around to show them who is Lord or flaunt his divine power. He preferred to do his work quietly and conspicuously and with a, and with measure, in contrast to the devil wanted him to be showy. So be kind to yourself. You're in a process. This is a long journey uh, that you're on. It's not a sprint. And secondly, relax And where you are in that journey. Don't strive. I like what David Benner once wrote. He says, while knowledge comes from learning— wisdom comes from living. No one becomes wise merely by accumulating knowledge or information in the passage of time. However, while many people fail to become wise as they age, no one actually becomes wise unless they age. i say that again. Again, learning information is not learning wisdom. Wisdom takes time. But Not everyone becomes wise as they get older. Like what he says, well, many people fail to become wise as they age. No one actually becomes wise unless they age. And so uh, there's a time factor of you and I growing into wisdom. And so relax, you have a lot ahead of you. There are so many things you can't grasp until you suffer. Uh, Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered, Hebrews 5, 7. You know, I think of my own journey. Uh, things that I did I learned, I know now that I didn't know 10 years ago. There's no way I could have known him 10 years ago. I think of 20 years ago. Just to, I imagine, like I'm growing, I'm in a major growth curve right now. <clears throat> I, I'm 62 and I wonder, wow, what's life going back when I'm 70? What am I going to know about Jesus? 80, 90, I mean, facing death. There's things I can only understand. that. What about the, we're actually at the portals of death. So you have so much ahead of you. So relax in this long journey. He is, if you'll stay with him or let him hold you, he will carry you. And there will be an unfolding of wisdom and revelation with time. Uh, he's going to waken you up. I, there's a great Desert Father saying by Abba Abbas that goes like this. What is the narrow and hard way? And the Abba replied in the desert, the narrow and hard way is this, to control your thoughts and to strip yourself of your own will for the sake of God. Control your thoughts and strip yourself of your own will for the sake of God. That stripping of one's will to say, yes, Lord, not my will, but your will. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom. Not my plan, but your plan. To People to say, Lord, more than anything else, any project, any program, any plan I've got, I just want to listen to you. You know, I think of the the great text in Matthew 17, where the voice comes from heaven as Peter's making plans to build some booths at the top of the mountain. You know, and the cloud comes, and the father speaks, and says, listen to him, you know, listen to him. And Jesus appears alone at the mountain and they fall you know, on their faces. And Jesus, says, do not be afraid. Get up. But it's seeing Jesus. That's, a, that's what this is about. Go, so, so relax the way you are on a journey. Listen to him. Say, God, help me. And he will take you through the journey uh, until the power of some of these temptations we're talking, uh, the power of them are broken, uh, and I can just assure you, as you get older, those temptations are broken. New ones emerge, but those get broken, and they're big ones for leaders. So here's some questions I want to leave you with to consider. Let the Holy Spirit just guide you. Maybe one or two of them will will hit you. You know, how do you hear? How do you hear the words uh, from Jesus? They do not practice what they preach. How might you be? How might you? Be in the process of being seduced or being theatrical to show off. And are there any areas of your life where you've lost a sense of awe and gratitude for the many gifts God has is sending and crossed into your life, or you find yourself have you crossed the line into people owe me for the sacrifices I'm making, you know, or is it is the gap between who you are on the outside and the inside is that gap growing larger or is that gap growing smaller? And what, if anything, might the prophetic be saying to you, uh, to us, you know, to you in in your particular ministry? And what might it look like for you to be actively involved in killing the things that are killing you? What might it look like for you to kill the things that are killing you? What might be a a desert place, a learning space that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit might be offering you? And why? Because God wants to bring you to a place of deep compassion, deep joy, deep gentleness. Now, listen, church leaders, we want to see people's lives change. The problem is that we've been trained in a leadership culture that's insufficient to bring about the kind of transformation that we desire. And so for the last 23 years, this is what we've been working on. Now, to identify what are some of the missing pieces that can multiply, deeply change leaders and deeply change disciples. Well, I can tell you this, it begins with us as leaders Uh, We cannot give what we do not possess. We can only give what we do possess. So let me invite you to learn about the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course. Come to a live training we offer it every couple of months. Uh, Maybe get a hold of the Emotionally Healthy Leader book. Begin reading that slowly. Go to emotionallyhealthy.org and learn more and join this journey with us because we're touching on large themes, uh, a whole paradigm of bringing a way of following Jesus that actually deeply changes us, out of which then, by God's grace, we can deeply change our people. God bless everybody. It's been a pleasure to be with you, and I pray God's good hand upon you this day. Amen.